everyone, and welcome to another Scots Way podcast. And today I'm joined by Warren McIntyre. Hello, Warren. Hello, how are you, Ali? I'm good, good I'm here. good. Um, Warren is front man and leader of the Starry Skies, but so much more than that, as we're about to find out. Um, so the reason, for, first of all, Warren, I can't believe we haven't done one of these before, because uh, it seems crazy. We've known each other quite a while now, and... Um, this seems the perfect time to remedy that because you've got new music coming out. Yes, we have. We've just uh, finished our latest album. It's called Do It With Love. And it's basically a collection of songs about love, not necessarily kind of romantic love, love between friends and just love for, I don't know, humanity at large. It sounds a bit cliched, but it is a very, the whole aim at the beginning of it was to write a really kind of positive uh, and yeah, positive message album, and that, that's what it is. But it's not kind of, it's not preachy. It's not kind of telling people to do this or do that. It's just kind of various reflections we've had from the period of writing songs. So tell people who don't know a little bit about the Starry Skies, because it's a kind of, um, it's a flexible band, isn't it? Put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, well, I suppose the band started off about seven years ago, and then it was myself, John Rooney, Chaz Fraser, Noel O'Donnell, Heather, I'm going to miss people out and then people are annoyed if you hear this. <laughs> and uh, Johnny Smiley and Monica also played some for a few songs. Monica done some great harmony vocals in some of the early uh, recordings and Johnny put some guitar uh, those as well. And Johnny produced the first two albums. And from then, just because, you know, it's like in Glasgow, so many people are in different bands, brilliant bands, different kind of competing priorities. Over time, some people have kind of stepped back and then stepped back in, and that's kind of continued through the, the whole life of the band. At the moment, we have the whole band's kind of based around um, John Rooney on guitar, Adam Scott on bass, Heather on violin, Jen on cello and vocals, and Sophie playing viola. Have I missed any out? No, I don't think so. And also, this, this record's a different one, actually, because this is the first record that the, to a certain extent, Matt, who produced it, did give him more of a free range, perhaps, than I did in the past. And that wasn't because Johnny wasn't... And Johnny is an amazing producer and guitarist. Matt just happens also to be a kind of multi-instrumentalist. So right. it means that he, he's got all these roads, pianos and Hammond organs and mandolins. He's actually a violin player. But he studied composition. So Matt, I suppose this new album, I would say, like he's become the kind of the eighth member of the band because he's been oh, okay. parts on it and he's really added to. It. But one of the things about uh, the, the the way that the the band works is that you can go from you doing the stuff solo, as we'll, we'll hear in yeah. a minute, to having a full band uh, on stage. It's, it's it's a real flexible, it's a quite clever, I think, way of having a band. Thank you for the compliment. If only I was being clever. It's just more through necessity. Really, as I say, people are different parts of the country at different times, so it just means that you don't have to refuse gigs. So if there's a gig that, for example, it just that suits a solo or a duo, we'll do it like that. But we've even had, I've not mentioned that there's been other gigs we've played with the very big band have kindly uh, joined us on stage, and I think there's like 20 of them. Yeah, it's led yeah. by the amazing JP Berry and a uh, He's a kind of a good friend and been very kind, and that he's actually brought the whole band along to play a few songs, a couple of concerts, and that's that was the plan for we planned an album launch. In fact, probably better cancel it because I think it's still on sale for the CCA on the twenty second of August, 
I really don't see that happening now, although maybe I'll, maybe I'll give it another couple of weeks, who knows, in case we come up with some miraculous cure. But uh, for the so the, the plan was to get the very big band there as well, and I'd love to have seen them in that stage in the CCA, because the CCA has just got such a brilliant room and the sound yeah. of doing great. But anyway, another time, another time. Yeah, that's a great idea, definitely. Um, so let's talk a bit about the concept. Did you say it's a kind of, could you say it's a concept album about love, or love is just the theme of most of the songs? It is, I suppose, yeah, a concept album. I suppose it's not a concept album because it doesn't really quite start somewhere and conclude, and I think that's what a concept album's meant to do. I will have to look up concept albums. I can't, but I think that is it. So it is more, it just so happened, it was almost by chance. I knew I, the first couple of songs were written for it and won the chorus, which is the single that's out uh, Thursday. Uh, it was just came out Thursday there, and we're kind of doing the, the various promo for that at the moment. That, the chorus was Because I Love You, and then the next song for the album was called Do It With Love. And then from then on, I just kind of noticed a few of them other, they all really reference love in some way or other. And I say not a romantic love or a, a lustful love or something like that, more I kind of, you know, just love as a concept. I saw a fantastic cartoon, and it was like, I actually contacted the guy, I have to dig out his name, oh, I can't remember it now, because it was like six months ago, and it was this amazing cartoon, and he had a... With all these guys, there were just these stick drawings. I think it's named Jonathan something. I look up here, these stick drawings are all like that. They're all kind of arguing about each other. And this one comes up and he just kind of goes like that and holds up a heart, you know, and that you look something. And then the next thing, one person kind of moves over and he's got the heart. And then suddenly it's three. And it's just that idea of positive feelings and yeah. just how important love is. We all need love. That's one thing that we all need. Well, absolutely. Um, yeah, you, you talk about um, having the new single out, uh, which is called? Here Comes the Moon. That came out on Thursday back there. And, um, you know, doing some promotion around it. And, but how difficult has it been to this time around with new music uh, and the whole COVID-19 situation to release music and promote it? Challenging, well, I it was. It really was a, a kind of... I'm glad it was kind of as humorous looking at it, but the, the whole thing about when God laughs, when man makes plans, yeah. the, the plans were all in place. There was like a 14 shows booked kind of across Scotland, some really interesting ones in Arran. We were playing in Edinburgh as part of the Fringe, supporting the Bluebells and the old doctor, somebody's old Bells Baths, which was mm -hmm. this amazing venue. So there's all these different things booked. And then so much, it would also been, I'd been kind of planning for there's going to be a, there was going to be a lot of concerts to promote this album, probably more than I've ever done, and I do a lot of concerts. But I decided that I was going to town with this one because I really believe in the record. So I actually got a band van, basically <laughs> the credit and got a load of things. I put myself in the hop and bought this amazing band van right. and PA already for the, the first single coming out here. Sweet Honey Blue was the first single that came out of the album of Dublin. So, so there you go. I could show you, maybe I'll send you a picture. You can put it up. <laughs> Excuse me. This great van with like three seats in the front, three in the back, big area for backline, loading gear. Fantastic. And a really good PA. Now, the plan was to then just be meant to complete mobile. We could just go and play gigs that otherwise wouldn't be economically feasible because all we'd really have to make is petrol money and would really push it selling the album and just meeting new people and you know, yeah. connecting to new networks and stuff. So that was going to happen and it was already in, already in place because a number of the gigs were booked. So we got the van and got the PPA and I think it was the, the, the week we scheduled to release the Sweet Honey Blue and then bam, you know, so it was like, yeah, coronavirus. So 
And I also, I didn't, I mean, I did a little bit of promotion for Sweet Honey Blue, but it kind of felt really strange, and it still does feel strange, actually, maybe for a different reason, but it felt really strange to be kind of promoting something. Yeah. Well, I don't have to be really heavy, but at that point, thousands are looking at the hospital's been overrun, and yeah. it's kind of horrible news. And the idea of me going, hi, folk, it just was like, so I did a little bit of it, but at one point I just thought, right, that's it, the single's gone. But we're really lucky, you're saying about promotion, we've been really lucky with uh, a few radio shows, a number, including your own, a number of radio shows have played it, so that's been great, and Sweet Anybody did get, and bizarrely, actually, it picked up maybe about two months after release, by like Natasha Radio, and her show's brilliant, and yeah. BBC, I mean, that's a really eclectic show, and I was so stuffed that we, we played in that and she actually called it as timeless you see for years I have read back in the day reading the NME and all these these music magazines and it always and Bobby Gillespie and all so you were talking about with Andy when yeah. Andy was on their podcast you know they'd always talk about love and the 13th floor elevators, elevators and all these different bands can and as being just this timeless music and it's, it's the ultimate compliment and Natasha actually said in the radio Beautiful song, timeless sound, and put it on. And honestly, I just was like, that was enough. So all the rest of it didn't matter. And with regards to promotion, again, how are we promoting it? One, going to be on uh, East Fife Radio on the 5th of July. I think 6th of July, post, postcards from the underground. And I'm on, do, we're doing an interview with Janice Versailles' show. Uh, did that on Thursday so that was a great kind of way of, of getting out there and other than that other promotion we're doing is the Scotsman Live the, they're doing a live stream so we're doing that so we've been quite lucky but the same token luck comes when you chase things up so there's been a fair amount of chasing things up to yeah, I'm sure. rather than just yeah. kind of booking a gig I'm really well we're all really missing playing kind of music live again but that's just well, people are missing a lot of things you know so Puras. Well, with that in mind, uh, would you fancy playing us a song live now, Warren? Absolutely, and this will be a, a one uh, kind of I don't know, yeah, an exclusive. So I'm going to play a song called. We play a song called "Love's River," and now we should say that I know there's been hundreds of albums written about love, and it does seem really, really corny. I mean, you see just how. Uh, the turmoil and just how mental the world has been and seems to have been since Trump was elected and all these kind of things, you know, it's like all I can think to do is just the most positive thing you can think about is love and peace or whatever, so that's why it's kind of ended up with this. Anyway, this song's called Love's River and see if you can guess what it's about or you can tell me what you think it's about. Okay, wow, well, I didn't realise. <laughs> so I'll put you in the spot so you don't have to, you can say about cabbage, you can say I think it's about Getting your veg next day. Anyway, this song's called Love's River, so it was. Love me once and love me twice. Know that you don't need to worry. I will always treat you right. Take your time, no need for hurry. Let's begin to bring this thing together. If that's a sin, then let's jump in into love's river. 
you told them long ago to compare yourself to beauty queen and as all those models roll things were never what they see all those talents all those crimes men did deliver all those attacks held woman back back from love River. In a time of man's ascension, all men must wait. But the river keeps on roaring. She shakes the silver from her mane. In time of man's ascension, all men must win. I'll take myself back to the river and I'll bathe myself in silver again. Try to wipe away that hurt. Try to take away that pain. And you know there is one way Draining out that cool shame You begin to bring yourself together And all those times and all those crimes They're gone forever if that's a sin, then let's jump in into love's river. Into love's river. Hey. Thank you. I think that's about the joys of wild swimming, which is a very on point thing to be doing these days. Okay, well, good. I'm glad that's the first, <laughs> the first uh, person we've heard. Well, you're one of the first people we hear. I played it once, actually. The last gig we played was in the Dublin. Oh, yeah, So you were, of course. Yeah. So you, you heard it there. I was actually thinking that when I was playing this. I was thinking, Ali, I've heard this song the one time it was actually played live in front of anybody. It, it, went, it, went, it went down quite well. That was one of the last gigs I think I was at. I have a feeling this was a, a, a gig that Murray Easton had organised at the Dublet, and it was a lovely uh, afternoon. It was nice. Carla had said that. Carla had sent me through a, a CD from something, and uh, I've joined a fan club because I'm a big supporter. I think she's an amazing young woman. She's such a hard worker, you know, and really I don't know anybody actually that works as hard as she does. So she sent me through this stuff, and she'd said that that was the last gig, and it was a it was a lovely last gig to to have to, uh, to be nuts. That was very, very nice compliment. Absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, talking about gigging, you put, for people that don't know, you put on a, a monthly seven-song club at the Tron. And uh, you, also, yeah. you also put on, regularly put on kind of big live events. And live music is obviously something which is really important to you. 
So one, tell us why that is the case and also how much, you know, you're kind of missing it at the moment. Well, yeah, live, live music, I suppose, has always been my kind of real primary thing that I've put efforts into, possibly at the expense of other things, because never, I've never been that keen in the whole mixing part and listening back to things. I mean, even in the studio, I'm kind of known for, I can't really, I listen back to the final versions, but I can't really listen back to myself singing over and over again. I just find it excruciating, the same as most people do when they hear themselves recorded. At first, you get used to it, but at first, I've never really used it. So I... I love live music and I've always played, I mean, I think I've played like, thousands of gigs over the years. I've been gigging for a long time and, yeah, a lot, I've played a lot of times. So the reason for these kind of larger gigs that multi-people played at, it all happened by accident, actually, and it happened because, it happened, I suppose, to give credit to, it was Oxjam that first was, which started, God, years and years ago. And Oxfam done this thing called Oxjam and they basically said, all you have to do is put on an event, blah, 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 think of some theme or some whatever else. So I decided to do something in the Hetherington Research Club in Glasgow University. Oh, it was a great place. Well, yeah. Fantastic. So I put on something and it was called, called it Three Song Tag. And people that played, and basically after they went up and played three songs. And it was like, who played the Starlets? Played, now oh, International. Funny. Stevie Jackson played. Uh, Kenny McDonald played. Loads of really, loads of really good people played anyway. And, uh, so... From that, we kind of surprisingly made money and then we kind of decided, sorry, so, sorry, that one, yeah, that one was specifically for Oxfam, so the money went there and it was really quite enjoyed bringing all these different bands together. So I put on another couple and they started making money and then there was no, I think the first one, I may have even split people £8 each or something, but I don't even think I did that. It was just too awkward, so we said, listen, let's just put all the money to charity and all the bands were up for that. So, and then they got slightly bigger and they were in the L Halls and they started making like a couple of grand and uh, and we just decided a, a theme for it. So we decided to celebrate songwriters. Is that something that's been the theme of the most of them? It's been celebration of songwriters. So they were celebrations of songwriters and they were celebrations of, say, like the Elf Underground, David Bowie, the Kinks, Goffin and King. Uh, there's been loads of them. So Simon Garfunkel, uh, Neil Diamond, just loads of them and then loads of different bands and people kindly gave their time and their efforts and made them a success and there was a real sense of community at them and I think it was because the order wasn't set by the the fame of the people because there's been some quite well-known famous mm -hmm. people that played at them and sang at them and it wasn't determined by that it was usually determined by the song that they chose so if somebody picked up in a quiet song but they happened to be in a big band they would still on early mm -hmm. and for whatever reason there was a real sense of community <laughs> plus I think what helped was they were we sold the drinks up cheap so the drinks were only 150 so everybody was hammered and loving each other so there was a real sense of community about them and every time we started doing we started selling out almost before it was so we stopped doing posters actually because basically you'd put it on sale and then they would sell out, sell out. And, and then with that led to doing I think we did three over the Kelvin Grove Bandstand, they were called the kind of label, the wee record label that I run is called Foxstar Records, and they were called Foxstar Weekenders, and they, yeah, with loads of bands playing. In fact, the best one ever was the one that was killed by the weather, and it really was driving, howling wind, you know, and see that, I wish I'd thought, actually, I would have my laptop and I'd go up, see the list of people that played that, and I don't mean just the list of well-known people, because there was some really well-known people played there, the list of selection, I mean, the Sunday, for example, it ran from the Friday and there was all these different choirs 
uh, that was organised with God's Soul, who was working with the Heritage Trust, the Rapid Civic Heritage Trust. And so there were these choirs on the Friday, and then on the Saturday, there was just loads of kind of rock bands called bands. But on the Sunday, there was, it opened up in the 12 o'clock, like a 30 piece called the Silver Swans, like they're called. Like, they were like an over 60s, and they were all 70s, 80s orchestra. Yeah. And honestly, it was like, and it actually was sunny for that part of the day. Other than that, it was kind of rained off, which was only, there was people there, but it was just yeah, it was like yeah. howling wind and rain. It was just so close to being cancelled because of the weather. But uh, the see to watch then, there was moments I was watching it, and when I watched that band and these people playing, and it was like that, they were playing, you know, what I was because I'm a camera of in my head, the as well tells overture. Yes, that's so right. Yeah. They played that, and I'm sitting there in the bandstand myself, and this is after having been testing the PA that morning, you know, and, and the previous morning, like blasting out Nina Simone or Ray Charles, a bell underground, like really loud, this brilliant big PA. And to watch these these guys and women playing that, there was some really amazing moments of it. So although people end up kind of seeing thinking there's a lot of work involved. There's not as much as what we think. And I got a lot more out of it than I put into it. Plus I get to play, which is what is initially the truth of the matter was why I organised the things in the first place. Although subsequently I have ran events where I don't perform because there's too much other things to be done. And the, I mean, the seven song clubs have been going for quite a while now as well. Well, that's since 2014. So that again was, a, was asked by Tron, uh, Lisa Nicholl to put on to curate, I think it was four nights in the work, and I had to I was trying to think of some kind of theme, something to make them a bit more interesting. And I was looking up the Tron, and the Tron's a great history. If nobody's looked up, look up history of the Tron Theatre. It's a really, really interesting read. So I was looking up that, and there was various things. Like it was a Hellfire Club who were based in the Tron and back in the Vic Bar, and they right. used to have a like roaring fire, and they, they, they were much drunken kind of. Uh, Bacchus debauchery going on and they set fire to the building, you know, because they were partying so hard and putting so much stuff in the fire. So I thought of it, but there is a band called the Hellfire Club, a really good band based in Glasgow. So I couldn't call it that. And then I thought of the Pencil Club for some reason was the next one. And then for some reason, that's, I know what I was, I went to see the June Bride, I went to see the June Brides, I think, on the right. wedding present. And they're great, but they played for too long. Mm-hmm. And like they just played for like an hour and a half, and maybe some core fans, the June Brides, would have been saying, "Oh, fantastic! Oh, what's the wedding present? Not oh, good, never lost." I think it was a wedding present, uh, and they they just played for too long. And I'd, I'd been at a few gigs recently where I was kind of thinking, and no disrespect to anybody who plays long sets if they're not signed by Funko, but I was kind of thinking, see, unless your your songs have the big recognition value, like Sang or Funko, or I don't know, bigger bands, you know, that yeah. really they've got. Such a great back catalogue that an hour and a half show is an hour and a half of absolute cream and brilliant stuff. Unless you have, then sometimes I've been at gigs where I'm just like that. The people that are having the best time in the room are the people on stage, normally the singer. I <laughs> mean, he's just totally like, loving it and wants to stay on for ages. And I've actually seen it once where I said somebody just play, you know, like, they've done this. So the concept of some Song Club was get just the best songs and leave every single time, leave the audience want more, you know, yep. go, and, go and see that band again. Just And a couple of times people have pushed to do more and it's been quite remarkable that uh, they, they kind of lost the audience after a certain point, you know, because there was a time to, to, to do it and they went, oh, do you mind, just one more, just one more, just one more and, and that kind of, it didn't really work. So the club's been running and again, it does tend to sell out most of the time in advance. And we've had, I think I worked out, what did I work out? It was been going for six years. I think it was something like about 300 or 
a, a huge number of performances, like an original songwriting. And again, like because I'm talking to you, I never think of these things myself in the house, thinking, oh, looking back on it. Yeah. And talking to you kind of makes you reflect. And that is one thing I swear I'm quite proud of that, you know, because I don't yeah. take money for it. I mean, basically, there's a fee and like, it's 260 quid or something, and I tend to just split it equally. So if there's like three bands, so sometime I can make 20 quid, but sometime I can make like 30 quid, 35 quid. But sometimes I don't actually make anything because there's yeah. a lot of bands playing, and I I just say, oh, do you know what? Why bother? It's nicer to be able to give. And as a musician, I know how many times you don't always get the best deal and kind yeah. of gig splits and various things. So I just. Yeah, it's quite nice just to. In fact, there's some. Do you mean, I know I'm rambling on now because I've not talked to anybody for ages, Alice. You can't excuse me. I'll just I'll tell you one quick story. There's a guy called Adam Stearns, and I don't know who Adam plays with now, but at that point, he was playing with a band, Honey and the Herbs, and he was playing drums. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. This, guy, this guy, Adam Stearns, he's like, he's like hundreds of different musicians that we're both knowing. Scotland and elsewhere, just really talented people, you know, they're exceptional folk, they've put such time into their craft and they're brilliant, you know, and and they don't really make any money from music, but it's the same in writers, artists, would I think, that's the kind of, that's a choice you take, but you get something different from it, you get a, a, something that's good for your soul from it, so yeah. that's why we do it. But Adam Stearns, I know, gets away. so Adam Stearns, so then the gig, what I used to do is, I've stopped doing it now because uh, I just pay all the black transfer, but what I always used to do is, I would actually get the money physically give each individual person their money. So I would go up to each band and, and give the, like, you were a band, give a person playing the drums, like, 20 quid, 20 quid, and give it to everybody. And the funniest reaction ever, people are genuinely always really surprised. And because mm. it's a nice place to play, and the audience are really appreciative, and there's a box office and ushers, and it's all very civilised, and the sound is always brilliant, because the sound guys... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The... the uh, People often kind of expect they don't, they're not going to get anything and they're genuinely surprised when they get paid. But Adam Stearns was the funniest ever response. Because Adam so I handed him, I think it was like 20 quid or 25 quid, I think it was. And he went like that, all right, thanks. And he was kind of like, thanks, respect, thankful enough, cheers. And I was like, all right. And then I went and handed the 25 pounds to, uh, I think it was Lori, who played bass, you know, who plays various bands with Alex. Uh, Alex Rex and Paul. Yeah. And so I handed the money to, to Rory and Adam Stern said, What each? <laughs> complete and honestly what you're getting, kind of tragic. tragic. Kind of tragic. I mean, because this guy is some talent, you know what I mean? And the fact that he was so surprised to be getting paid the twenty quid, twenty-five quid of the I can't remember what it was, it changes every time, was just pretty illuminating. It didn't surprise me, but yeah, but it was funny. Actually, I remember laughing on my way up the road so I was driving home. So, so the Seven Song Club's a lovely thing. And you've helped a good few times. I have to thank you again. Oh, they're great. Comparing it. And that's they're been great, a godsend when you've helped to compare it because uh, they're much, one, you're much better at comparing than I am. But also, you do your research. That's what you do. <laughs> I'm always <laughs> astounded. You certainly know loads about the band. I'm like, you know, I booked them. But, uh, but yeah, so it's a, it's a good thing and long may it continue. Definitely. But we had to cancel. It was quite a lot cancelled. So one thing I was thinking about, and I was going to speak to you kind of offline in this, some other people, was I thought about doing a kind of, kind of reinstating the Seven Song Club as an, on live, an, uh, an online thing. I'm just not sure. So, because I don't, I'm not sure people feel comfortable paying for tickets. I know some bigger bands do that, but it probably have to be a free thing. 
So I don't know. And there's also quite a lot of people doing them at the moment. Like yeah. there's Ruby Tuesdays, the folk in Edinburgh, they're great for you've got um, what's her name, brilliant singer Zoe Bestel Bestel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean she does one every Wednesday, she's amazing, she's yeah. just brilliant. And there's a lot of people doing them. So I don't know if there's any need for it. I think I thought about it early on, but you always have, I suppose I try to ask myself now I'm doing things like who am I doing this for? I mean, if it's so, I, yeah, we did it for the bands, but there is, as they say, I would suddenly then feel a bit responsible to get them a good audience, you know, and then, so I don't know, I might do it, we'll see. Okay. Maybe uh, we'll do a collaboration, maybe we'll do a Scots Lahey Seven Song Club collaboration for something, that might be quite nice, we could do it as a fundraiser day, because the tiny changes, they did an amazing one at the weekend. Yeah. Maybe we could try something like that. Yeah. We could definitely try something like that, we'll have a chat about that, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so you mentioned about uh, kind of looking back. I'd like to know a little bit about your kind of musical career from the beginning because you've been doing this for a while, as you said, playing a lot of gigs. How did you get into it, Warren? How did you get into playing music? Well, I got into it initially through being involved in punk and well, kind of when I was really 13 years old, my friend, mom and dad, said a kid called Stephen McKechnie, who's Stephen, God, who's legend, is out. So he said Stephen was a complete... He wouldn't mind me saying it at the time. He was a kind of misfit kid. You know, Stephen was exceptionally clever. <laughs> really, really clever. People would be talking about football cards and Stephen would be talking about different volcanic layers and magma and various things. A very clever guy. And he and he was he joined came to our school, he was expelled from King's Park actually. Uh, so he'd been expelled and Stephen used to mental things like I mean back that was a long time ago, you know, I think Stephen would spit in his comb and spike up and have all these studs and people would just like and he and there was a fair amount of bullying that went on to yeah. Stephen as well, you know, which was tough. He was a tough, Stephen was a very tough character. But anyway, so Stephen played the bass. And then, so me, Stephen, got together with this guy, Brian Campbell, and we formed a punk band called The Revs. And that was in school. God, I was in, I was in second year at that point, actually. I was, in fact, that was the whole of second year. And bizarrely, there's another friend, Barry McCluskey, who I'm looking through Facebook and is a big music fan, uh, there's lots of people, Barry, talented guy, he's a talented artist, and he, Barry at that time was part of some little club, I wouldn't mention what club it was, but it was a communist club, I've said it now, that's me outed Barry, he's a communist music school, and Barry made these brilliant badges, and they said the revs on them, because the band was called the revs, and started selling them all about the school, and badges and punk was such a big thing, yeah, and yeah. basically everybody's wearing revs, but well, not everybody, a lot of people. A lot of people were doing revs badges and older folk and like 50-year punks and stuff. And so we were this band that never played. We used to play, looking back, it's quite a cool pedigree. We played like Bingo Masters Breakout, first fall single, because that was the thing I never mentioned. Brian's big brother was in a band called The Skulls, based in Pollock Shaw's, and they had all this gear, and they used to think it was really comical. They would give us all the cast-off punk gear, and they thought this was hysterical, that we'd be kids, kids kidding about in this. So... And they were also their record collection we would kind of go through. So it was like that. There was like the English Civil War. It was the first sign of some I'm currently in the story. So we'd done loads of The Cure, Killed an Arab, loads of, it's just an interesting song, but loads of different great songs at the time. And then we did English Civil War, and I loved English Civil War with The Clash, because The Clash was the first album I'd ever bought, Clash, Clash, Clash. And by Brian and Steve, they wouldn't sing it. They were going, no, I don't know what to do it. So you sing it. So I literally had to sing it because that else wouldn't be done. So I sang that. And it was recorded and stuff. I've got a recording somewhere. I need to dig it out and digitise it. And we 
so that kind of I sang for the first time. So then I suppose gave up. I retired for two years, and then my another friend of the family's uh, they popped down with an acoustic guitar. He played Wild Thing and House the Rising Sun, and I was smitten, absolutely yeah. smitten. And I got a guitar within a week from my birthday money, and I've never stopped playing since a long, long time ago. And initially it was really bluesy stuff. I was into kind of more folky but real blues stuff. And the first band we, we did a lot of gigs was called the Sun Clocks. A lot of times there's been a kind of a whatever you call it, sky theme, a planet anyway. It's called the Sun Clocks, and we it was a rhythm blues band. And it was really quite successful. We made a lot of money because we were very young. We're a good band, and uh, we just played a lot of gigs, you know. So we were playing every weekend, two, three times, and then. And then that folded and I put together the Moon Dials and that was with other new people. John Rooney was the only person who continued on. And Stevie Jackson, now Bill Sebastian, he joined the band, Colin Nelson and Gary Gary Tom. So we were like a band of brothers and that was, I right. suppose, the band that I've been in that was the most, we did the most over a very short period of time because we could set up a record company, we released records, we toured France, we toured through Czechoslovakia, oh God, we are everywhere, France, Germany, Holland, we just went everywhere in this van, just this ridiculous trip playing gigs for weeks at a time and then come back and go away. So I guess, yeah, from then I just keep on, I kept on changing band names, which I realise now probably wasn't a good idea, because look at Douglas, the lo- lovely, amazing Douglas, Douglas Lee, and the BMX band that's going, and he has had certain core members that have come and went, yep, he's had yeah, so yeah. many lineups, but he, but he kept the name. So maybe I should just have kept the name Revs when I was 13. And right, good, right, be, yeah. I yeah. <laughs> Although I don't know if Revs would have suited some of your later stuff. That's, uh, you know, no. maybe a different kind of Rev. Yeah. So so then it became a... And then this, I kind of... Well, I had my daughter. My daughter was born and uh, I stopped playing music altogether. I'd folded the band I was in. It was a band called Ducks at the time. Oh, yeah. Again, doing quite well. We could sing just after my timing's always been impeccable. I've got the worst timing ever. I mean that's you can hear it a bit in the guitar, but I really that's why I need to play with better musicians than I am. Well, all the time is I we get single at the month and record collector and there was various company interests and stuff, but it just wasn't the right time for me. I was I don't know, it just wasn't the right time. So I folded the band and then didn't really do anything for two or three years and then gradually get back into it. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a, I don't know, that was a bit of a rambling walk that's through good, those that's that's I, didn't know, I didn't know the full, I kind of knew little bits of that, but it's interesting to kind of put it all together. Um, I think if you're up for it, we could hear another song, another new song. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what could it be? So this thing, this, this thing, this thing, I call a song. This song, this is called it. It's called. It was called "Always Love You," and then I was advised that we've got to change the name of it. So I think it's going to be called called uh, "I Want You to Know." Okay. Because apparently there's another song called "Always Love You," and it's quite a popular one. So we'd be lost in the algorithms or whatever. Anyway, so we'll see how this goes. Do-do-do. Fresh from the start, I don't know why, but I felt so alone. I am to my heart, every feeling till I am cold as a stone. And I want you to know 
Yes, I want you to know. I want you to know that I will always love you. And if you've got to go, then take care on the road. But it's important you know you are loved. Then came the day you came along and you held out your hand. You said, let's agree. Our only plan will be there is no plan. And I want you to know. Yes, I want you to know. I want you to know that I will always love you. And if you've got to go and take care on the road, because it's important you know you are loved. In the darkness, I dream to see eyes looking back at me. And sometimes I cry. I remember the time you said you loved me, and it makes my spirit fly. Ah, ah, and I want you to know, yes, I want you to know, I want you to know that I will always love you, and if you've got to. Go and take care on the road, and it's important you know you are loved. Yes, I want you to know. Yes, I want you to know that it's important you are loved. Thank you. It was meant to start with that. That's who it was meant to start. It was meant to start with this. I always get white, red light fever and forget. And there's also a guitar <laughs> solo played by Johnny Mundial. And it's because a blistering guitar solo that goes in it and say, probably that's going to be a single. We've been advised that should be a single in the next, I don't know, it'll be either the next one or it'll be the one after that. I think the next singles are probably going to be probably. Two songs, one called Do It With Love, the title track, and the next one's called, uh, the other one will be that, whatever it's, that one ends up being called. I'm, I'm interested in that. It, it seems to me that you get really excited about the next new songs. How do you feel about the one? So, for instance, your last album, Be Kind, was really well thought of. and You know, people love it, including myself. It's a great record. Do you kind of, once those songs are done, do you get more excited about the new ones? Or do you still, are you still fond of those older ones? I am still fond of them. It's funny how you can have, again, you've got to just like move on though. I mean, right now, it's strange because right now I'm just really, we're finishing off, Matt's finishing off a, a harmony vocal, pretty much that's the album going for mastering. It's going to be sent for mastering, I think the date for this 14th. So I'm just working on all the new stuff now and I think I've got most of the songs for the next album. I can't wait to start it. And luckily, exclusive, it's not a definite, but the, the producer Kramer had uh, told him this, but he said he was uh, keen to make a record with us. So I think we might make the next record with him. He lives in Florida, so whether that'll happen or not, I don't know. But it'd be nice. You know, I love, I love the stuff. I love the stuff that he's done 
with Zan. You know, their new band is just fantastic. You know, it's like, uh, and I know you've featured it before. Yeah. It's just such a beautiful record. And I, I wasn't as aware, Adam Scott, plays bass in Starry Skies. I mean, when I mentioned Kramer, I wouldn't see this, so I can say this, because when he said, like, can you make a record? I was thinking, oh, that'd be quite good. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. And I didn't really re- realise his pedigree, you know, so maybe that's a good thing, being casual, I don't know. And I, was, I didn't really say anything, but I was kind of, yeah, that'd be okay, and didn't really say much. And then I said to Adam, and he was going, wow, Kramer, God's sake. And then I, I kind of looked them up and I started listening to all the things he produced. I realised I cared hundreds of things he produced, but I had known it was him that produced them. But he's just some amazing people he's worked with. I mean, there's the famous ones like Daniel Johnson and Galaxy 500 and yeah, lots of them. They just yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're right. I'm looking soon. With Zan Tyler at the moment, uh, lovely, really good. Zan's voice is so beautiful. To answer the question, though, yeah, I don't dislike the old song, but I do find it quite hard to listen to myself singing uh, an old song. So there'll be some songs I always love. Like, be kind, I love that song. You know, yeah. I do. It's probably the proudest I've ever been of any song I've written, and just because it's just so simple, and I just I do really love it. And the message is just so straightforward. It just kind of came out one day the song, so I'm dead proud of that. So I do I don't listen to it. I play it. Yeah. But uh, there's some of the other songs that are maybe slightly, there's a couple of more Americana songs where I listen back and I love, quite like the lyrics. I like the lyrics and I love the band. I mean, the band, I love Yeah, sure. I love the band. But then I'm singing like, there's a song Sugarcane and I'm singing like, uh, like uh, when I was a little boy, I trained in this kind of crazy American accent. And, which I'm trying to do less, well, I do do less, but now and again, I, I, that song suits that. Yeah. And I listen back and I kind of cringe. But then again, that's a couple of people I know, that's their favourite song. In fact, yeah. I played in Greenock and Gamble Halls recently, and this guy, it's a song called Time Alone, it's a real country song, it's real, time alone. It's, got, it's got pedal steel and everything, it's from the first album, Ask the Animals, and it's like, time alone, but it's all very American, kind of. And this complete stranger came up to me and said, you're the guy in that side of skies. I listen to that song Time Alone all the time and it's truck. It's just that. So I don't like to be, to talk down a song. No, 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 quite right. Talking down me rather than the song, you know. But definitely I think the track Be Kind seemed to really um, capture a mood and strike a chord with a lot of people. I think that's had a, you know, for a lot of people I know that's um, one of their favourite songs of recent times. You know, it really did seem to, maybe it was the simplicity of it or the message behind it. But there was something about it, which sometimes you can't put your finger on. But yeah, it seemed to. It was a really strange one, that song, because it was like, it came out in 2018, so it came out in, I don't know, was it August or something, I think? So it came out in August, and then bizarrely, during 2019, like halfway into 2019, there was somebody, there was the whole Kath, Caroline Black stuff, which I didn't really know anything about Caroline, but there was this message, and it was always suddenly, I remember saying B. Kings are an original. I like cliche. The, the weekend was a was like a kind of thing. It was like I don't know one of these sayings that people would say. No, my weekend, you know, but it was yeah, not something. Yeah, yeah. That, and and then suddenly it was just everywhere. In fact, even the coronavirus right now, there's amazing people called Jackarts that have put up these posters, and they're not just in Glasgow. There's posters that even seen that say "Be kind" on them. Be kind, community's kindness. They're all over billboards in Glasgow. They have been over the last three months. They're all over Manchester, and London, and everywhere else as well. There's all this constant hashtag trend in be kind when a hand and there was like yeah it was a really quite a strange thing because there was a, a cynical uh, capricious whatever the word is capricious capricious <laughs> well there was a part of me that was kind of going 
oh, I should, I should try and hashtag, I should learn to use Twitter and I should be hashtagging people and getting everybody to listen to this song and this song could be a hit. And I do think Be Kind will be a hit one day for somebody. It might just not be, it would be me, it probably would be my life name, but I do think one day it will be. But, and I was going to, and then I just thought, oh, do you know what, it's just too, too contrived. So I just kind of went and just let it sit and what oh, will be, will be. So I didn't really push it much. Um, I think it'd be a good idea to, to finish talking about, um, well, we've been all kind of locked down. Is there anything that you've been um, listening to or watching that you would think other people might, you know, might have missed? Or have you been, been really healthy and been out most days? And No, I wish. I think now I'll get my bike and I listen to music and I cycle just to go out. The Kramer, the best of Kramer playlist is an amazing listen. And uh, the new album with Kramer and Zan is really, really good. I've been enjoying those. I've been watching a lot of different podcasts, music on kind of screen. The guy, Andrew T the Taylor from Dropkick, that band Dropkick, he's yes, done a lot of really good podcasts. There's that great podcast, uh, it's called It's Getting Dark In Here, what's it called? Oh, I just forgot the name of it. Anyway, there's a few podcasts listening to your own, which is which is brilliant. That was my journey. My journey the other day I was listening to your podcast. Zoe Bestel, I don't know if name. She is really good. There's a thing called the Ruby Sessions that comes from Edinburgh, and it's like Daniel McGeever and various people. Uh, William Douglas, they're really good. And TV, I have been. I watched all of the American Office, and I loved it. I just yeah. absolutely loved it. You know, I just thought it was brilliant. I watched Eleven Nine, the Michael Moore film. I'd recommend that. I mean, hard watching, you know, and right. it's quite. But it's really it's about the the water supply in Flint, Michigan, and it happened before the Black Lab. I watched it just before the whole Black Lives Matter uh, protest began, and. Uh, watch, thinking about it and it was just before it so I was kind of like if you've not watched it it's worth looking into yeah. this world needs to change yes yeah absolutely it does absolutely. the one thing I, I can I just give one mention to something yeah, it's okay cool. just to, I'm going to be on uh, West Fife Radio on the 5th of July but the one thing I wanted to mention was we decided with the Be Kind album that there was a, a kind of record store drop thing. It's not the big record store day, obviously, which is later in the year, but Love Music Glasgow, great record shop, you know, and shops are really, record shops, we'll lose them. You know, we're yeah. a tough enough time, record shops and bookshops had a tough enough time without this happening. So they've been really scunnered by it. So I spoke to Sandy, who runs Love Music Glasgow, the record shop right beside Queen Street, and they've got a brilliant online shop they had to have. And basically, we're doing a special deal on the Be Kind album. Well, Sandy's doing it as a bundle. One, we're clearing stock as well. I won't then we're clearing stock because of the new album. But all of the kind of the, the repressing of the CDs and vinyls, they're doing a, Sandy's doing a deal. It's a tenor for a vinyl album and a vinyl CD. So you can give one away, you can keep one and give it away to presents. So if any listeners want to check out Love Music Glasgow, that's one. And I think that's the first time I've ever remembered to plug anything. <laughs> well, I'm glad <laughs> you did it. I'm glad you did it on this show, I have to say. Uh, well, Warren, thanks so much uh, for doing this. It's been great to catch up. Likewise, it's been great talking. And uh, really enjoyed we'll... it. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure, always a pleasure. And we'll be back soon uh, with someone completely different. Cheers. Mm -hmm.